this week on the Federalist Radio Hour. I've heard it from students who go through master's programs in education, for instance, as well, that what you're learning is more about like how to indoctrinate as opposed to like how to create a, a well-rounded student in terms of their, their actual education. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know the tart cherries are an important superfood? When it comes to promoting metabolic health, they are a powerhouse. But if you're not looking to chug two cups of tart cherry juice a day, you need to know about new tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of Super B Tart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise, and they support immune health. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. They're vegan, non-GMO, they have zero sugar, and are simply delicious. Tart cherry gummies come with a one 100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days and see how you feel. If you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies plus free shipping at buytartcherry.com Dana. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's buytartcherry.com Dana for up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies. Buytartcherry.com Dana. It was pretty clear that there was really a psychological operation uh, being conducted against Twitter executives by the FBI so that when our story came up in October of 2020 that they would recognize it immediately as a Russian hack and leak operation because they'd been warned uh, for weeks by FBI exactly what to look for. In fact, to look for uh, this operation in October and that it would involve Hunter Biden. Uh, and remember that the FBI was paying Twitter uh, $3.4 million they gave them to help censor Americans and particularly our story That's three something. weeks before the election. That's crazy. Uh, Miranda Devine. Look for her work. Uh, Google or DuckDuckGo, her name, Miranda Devine. Look for her write-ups. The continuing story of the FBI playing politics, helping to suppress information for... Whatever reason, twisted sense of what? You want to call it um, twisted patriotism, maybe you know, gone off the rails, maybe political favoritism. The FBI behind the scenes and the super popular social media, Twitter. And I'd like to know how much influence any of, this, any of these warnings had towards Facebook as well. Hey, welcome to the Dana Show, amigo. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and for my friend Dana Lash, Merry Christmas, and also Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year. This will be uh, might be the last day I, I get to speak with you before the end of the year, and we got some other family and friends showing up, filling in for Dana the remainder of the week, and going toward the uh, New Year weekend as well. Yeah, look look for her work online. Uh, we got these Twitter files coming up, the FBI Twitter files coming up, bit by bit, more information. Thank God, I just say thank God that Elon Musk is behind the scenes and he has deputized some senior, respected, big name writers, reporters to go fish. Man, there's a lot of information they'll be needing to fish over the next several months to provide us a, a full report, provide the American people, provide Twitter customers, online customers, provide us all uh, a very well-focused report on the incestuous relationship in FBI, law enforcement, the ones that are supposed to go after crimes, find crimes. It's not their gig to go and 
trying to influence, suppress information, misinformation. They're supposed to go after the criminals. <laughs> and this fantasy, this, this narrative of Russian disinformation, misinformation, the manipulation of, of Russia trying to influence the election, that was the excuse used to what, put G-men, put FBI people inside Twitter before the election. In essence, by what we see, is to do nothing but suppress important information that maybe some of y'all tuning into the show right now, maybe some of y'all would have voted different come the 2020 election. I, I know you had to overcome mounds and mounds of, regionally speaking, maybe certain counties and certain cities and urban areas and all the abuse of the votes, the stuff ballots. You still would have overcome that. But there are, there have been several polls that indicate if if voters had known, they, they've been asked if voters had known of the Hunter Biden laptop, the laptop from hell, the potential business dealings, the big guy getting a sweet cut of the action with some business dealings in China, all the information coming out, you know, forget all the scandalous sex and all the, you know, all, all that crap, just, you know, the drugs and the crack cocaine and the embarrassing pictures. But had all this been proven? to be legit before the election instead of booting an entire you know, like New York Post kicking them off Twitter because they're sitting on this important information and you got the FBI embedded inside Twitter monitoring emails of Rudy Giuliani, monitoring emails of folks at, at the Post. You got G-Men inside Twitter, you know, Doing their patriotic duty, helping out, you know, Twitter doing their patriotic duty along with FBI to make sure that they're monitoring the communiques for Russian disinformation, misinformation, trying to negatively input, negatively influence the election. We got more information to come. We're just getting started with it. And as we close 2022 and find out this amazing information that, frankly, I, I wish was more top of the hour, but the day is coming when this will be top of the hour. Because what I'm expecting from all of this information, as Ms. Devine and other folks write about, is other uh, well-known reporters go in there, do a deep dive, and examine all the emails, the communication between FBI, all the warnings from them, all these people on the inside, the compensation program, you know, looking for all this information. It's, it's hilarious because Elon Musk paid, what, 40, what was it, 42, $44 billion, 44, right, to purchase Twitter? It's like the uh, FBI, if, if I can say, what, trying to manipulate the election, they got it for short, uh, for short of uh, $4 million. I think it's like over $3 million was the price of Twitter for them to use it as a suppression, uh, an arm of that would suppress information on social media. And, and Facebook, I'm sure Facebook did a lot of the same. Problem is, at Facebook, we don't have Elon Musk or anybody else in there ripping the guts out getting all that information. I'm looking forward to the Republicans taking, taking control of Congress in 23. I'm looking forward to hearings, congressional hearings, and fleshing this out page by page and having these senior reporters at Elon Musk has contracted to go in there and check out all these emails for all that information to come out page by page. And that's when it gets top of the hour billing at the beginning of the new year. So good news coming in 2023. 
Meantime, other work in Congress. They've got a, I think they said, well, it's 4,100 page. Ominous. Omnibus spending bill. $1.7 trillion, 4,100 page piece of legislation. All this new debt that our grandkids are paying for. It's cut eight, Steve-O, if shut down Schumer if he expects, you know, the vote taking place on this 4,100-page omnibus budget bill. These people don't even have time to read it. Go ahead, Steve. How is it in a, a functional process to drop a 4,100-page bill this morning, expect to vote on it tomorrow? But most of Congress hasn't had a chance to review it. Look, the bill has been carefully worked on by the Appropriations <laughs> Committee for a very, very long time. Uh, most of the provisions of the bill were well known weeks and weeks and weeks in advance. And uh, getting this bill done for the American people which really matters is the most important thing. Yes. You know what a priority for him, as far as Mitch McConnell, you know, his, I'd say when it comes to shut down um, Chuck Schumer, his partner in crime, Mitch McConnell. There was on Twitter, I was, I was scrolling on Twitter last night looking at the disgust properly expressed by patriots all over the place, how Mitch McConnell Talking about this omnibus spending bill, the priority, according to Mitch McConnell, the priority for our country right now, as far as issues that we definitely need to tackle, it's Ukraine. Making sure that Ukraine defeats Vladimir Putin. They've got some money in there from one of the news reports I, I gathered this morning. There's money in there for one of those Patriot missile systems, you know, to allow the Ukrainian troops to shoot down any missiles coming in from Russia. And I don't even know if that's relevant because there was a report I saw two days back that the Russians are using more drone technology. Where are they getting that drone technology? You know, they're buying that from Iran. Iran is setting up big assembly lines to provide bomb-carrying drones for Russian troops to go for precision surgical strikes on government buildings and other buildings inside Ukraine. I don't know if the Patriot missile systems help with that. Of course, obviously, you know, with the, the bigger missiles, it'll help with that. But Mitch McConnell expressing last night and the disgust that was, you know, the pushback from people online, I mean, I agree with it. The American priority right now is not Ukraine. But, see, that's part of the problem. And, and let's go back to, you know, all the voters who sent Mitch McConnell back in. The route goes back to sending these incumbents these failed incumbents, these everybody else but America first incumbents, sending them back to Washington every single time, including Mitch McConnell. Yes, I know he's done some good things. And when Donald Trump was in office, I hear all these glorious things from attorneys and, and, and judges and folks on the conservative movement, how he did really good making sure that put conservatives in district courts, and appellate courts for the federal judicial system, and, of course, the appointments to the high court. That's good, but Mitch McConnell, the priority for America right now is not Ukraine. And he was lambasted last night on social media for expressing that, rightfully so. I'm sitting here, I'm broadcasting, I'm broadcasting, we, a team, we're sending you the the Dana show today from the U.S.-Mexican border. McAllen, Texas, Rio Grande Valley, Texas. This market, and far west of me, about almost a 
let's say about almost a thousand miles west of me, about eight hundred miles west of me in El Paso, and in points between Del Rio and Eagle Pass, Laredo, we have thousands of illegal immigrants staged on the Mexican side, just chomping at the bit to cross the border again, overwhelming authorities on the ground in a time when the weather's not cooperating, Title 42 is about to be lifted. Border security, you know, I bet if you were to sit Mitch McConnell down and ask him to prioritize the top three issues, three three problems in our nation that need to be fixed right now, I would bet my mortgage, I bet my house, my entire house, that he would not say border security, the Southwest border security. He, Ukraine is number one for him. Probably programs to fund kids programs or child tax credits probably would be number two. COVID response or some other silly issue. It's the, the reason that the southwest border is still a mess. We have this Biden border mess. And no one holds Congress or the president to account. It's because it's not a priority to them. It's not in their backyard. The only... In my opinion, the only way we're going to get their attention is if Governor Greg Abbott here in Texas continues to hire, contract those charter buses, and maybe maybe this time we should send a few of the charter buses over to, you know, up to the nation's midsection and send it to Mitch McConnell's home and his family home and his communities up there. I know they're probably more Republican. They're probably not sanctuary states or communities, but either way, just to send a message to Mitch McConnell, this is among the nation's top problems. The number one problem in our nation is the $1.7 trillion in spending that we don't have right now. It's a continuation of this national debt, deficit spending, depending on our grandkids to assume this debt and somewhere down the road pay off all those T-bills, all, all that debt that the, the Chinese purchased from us and everybody else purchased from us. And we're having to simply pay the, the interest on. Overspending, irresponsible spending by leadership in Washington, that's the number one problem. Lack of security in our nation is definitely among the top three, but that's not on Mitch McConnell's mind right now. They will not read this 4,100-page ominous, omnibus spending bill. They're not going to read it, not a single page. They don't care. It's like Nancy Pelosi rightfully said, because she knows the culture. She's been there decades upon decades, more than a generation up in Washington to know that you got to pass all this crud to figure out. you got to pass the bill to figure out what's in the bill. And come the new year, well, I'm looking forward to more fun reading. Maybe I'll come back and fill in for Dana. I'm sure Dana will talk about it when she gets back after the holiday. Oh, did you know? It's one of those, did you know conversations? Look what we're paying for with this omnibus $1.7 trillion deficit spending plan in Washington, D.C. Already 20 minutes after the hour. <laughs> On that happy note, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to The Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez. We're broadcasting the program today from her Southern Command in South Texas studios of KURV Radio. Stick around for some enlightening, informative, entertaining conversations. Uh, among them, one's probably going to break your heart. One of our friends in Afghanistan fought bravely for his country alongside American forces, was not given a visa, came to the U.S. trying to cross illegally, seeking asylum, because his case is a perfect example of why we have asylum in this country, offer asylum in this country. Oh, no, he's in federal custody. He might be sent back to his death in Afghanistan. You're not going to want to miss that conversation 
with Green Beret Scott Mann later in the program. I'm Sergio Sanchez. We're broadcasting The Dana Show from South Texas. You want to say hi online? It's at Sergio Talk. This is The Dana Show. Offers for free iPhones are usually too good to be true. Just like freedom itself, nothing is actually free. Other mobile phone companies not only lock you into long-term contracts, but they build the price of the phone into your bill with hidden fees. Now with Patriot Mobile, they can show you how to get that iPhone 14 or 14 Pro that you've been eyeing interest-free without the games and with no contract. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider with nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks because they use the same towers as the major carriers. Get the same great service while supporting a company that's fighting to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Patriot Mobile also offers a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch to any of the three major carriers they provide for free. Simply visit patriotmobile.com Dana or call their 100% U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with offer code Dana. That's patriotmobile.com Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Disney stock taking a nosedive on its way to its worst performance since 1974. Man, I don't know what was going on at Disney in 1974, but the dead weight on this, the stock at Disney, the latest dead weight, because they've had way too much controversy this year fighting Florida legislation, fighting parents for that matter, because there's legislation to protect the parent, right? Avatar. Avatar at $134, $35 million this past weekend. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But, man, it fell well short of what they were expecting for this. And this three-hour-long, dare I call a boondog with his Avatar, which I'm sure it's very entertaining. I'm looking forward to seeing it. The thing is, like I mentioned yesterday, like Titanic, another James Cameron film, the first Avatar, which is the all-time grocery. People need to go back over and over and over, buy tickets again to make all that money back. 6.4 magnitude earthquake, Northern California. That's the first time I say people died, two dead as a result of that earthquake. From South Texas, I'm Sergio Sanchez. This is The Dana Show. Did you know that tart cherries are an important superfood? When it comes to promoting metabolic health, they are a powerhouse. But if you're not looking to chug two cups of tart cherry juice a day, you need to know about new tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of Super B Tart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise, and they support immune health. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. They're vegan, non-GMO, they have zero sugar, and are simply delicious. Tart cherry gummies come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days and see how you feel. If you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off tart cherry gummies plus free shipping at buytartcherry.com Dana. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's buytartcherry.com Dana for up to 35% off tart cherry gummies. Buytartcherry.com Dana. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. No more blank checks for Ukraine. 
We want to make sure where the money's spent, what's the strategy behind it. But this is exactly what they're doing again. They moved a continuing resolution to right before Christmas. They, they're passing, huh. trying to pass this where nobody can read it. You're correct. You have Leahy and Shelby, two senators who will no longer be senators 14 days from now, write a bill that they wouldn't even show anybody. Then they're going to have the House of Representatives tell them, you can't leave for Christmas until you vote on this. Well, fine. Stay in Stay in Washington. Do the work of the country. Uh, Kev McCarthy likely to be speaker. Uh, I guess it's you know probably already baked in. Everybody assume he's going to be speaker of the House. Ke- Kevin McCarthy, California. Yeah, I got no problem with these lawmakers staying up in D.C. working entire Christmas, working New Year's. Um, no one knows what's in that omnibus spending bill. One point seven trillion dollars. Another boondoggle. Uh, we know a few things. Like yesterday, we got word that about eight hundred million dollars for um, like border response, like the they call it the migrant response, illegal immigrants gaming the asylum system in this country and being bust. Compliments of Texas being bust to New York, up north, these other places. Now New York whining and complaining. They got 30,000 of these, quote-unquote, migrants. One missing word just to augment it a little bit. Illegal migrants. Uh, Texas sending them their way. You take care of them. You're a sanctuary city, sanctuary city. Okay, you guys take it. So $800 million for that, at least a big chunk of that for New York. We know in news reports this morning, Patriot Missile System for Ukraine. As I started the program telling you, Mitch McConnell out there saying the number one priority for the American people is Ukraine. Make sure Ukraine defeats Vladimir Putin. No, it's not. Dopey. I'm looking at my wallet. It's a lot lighter than it was this time last year and a little before that as well. And sitting here on the U.S.-Mexican border because, hi, I'm Sergio Sanchez. We're broadcasting the Danish show. I'm in for my friend Dana Lash. And we're broadcasting from a Southern Command here on the U.S.-Mexican border. Not only is my wallet a little lighter right now, the whole inflation issue... Got an economic slowdown around the corner. We've got the Fed tinkering with the economy again, trying to slow down this inflation. You guys, part of the reason we have inflation is, like I said at the beginning, overspending. All this monopoly money that you guys put into the economy, debt that our grandchildren are going to have to pay. And, yes, sitting here on the U.S.-Mexican border, border security. And then, you know, thousands of people on the other side waiting for this Title 42 health thing to be lifted, and they'll come across the border. Folks where they have the biggest problem right now, they got people living, they got people living, sleeping in the streets. They got, you know, quote-unquote migrants, illegal immigrants, in El Paso, Texas, sleeping in the streets by the thousands of them. We got non-government organizations, charity organizations, Salvation Army, uh, Catholic Charities, all these people trying to respond and provide some type of shelter. And a massive cold front right now in Texas and even in Mexico, even south of us. This whole thing about Title 42 and because the high court got involved and maybe punted this thing down one more week, maybe sometime midweek next week, we'll, you know, whoever's you know, talking for Dana next week, they'll pick it up again, watch all this breaking news. From El Paso down to deep south Texas and south of us in Mexico. That cold front is going to dig deep into America and go into Mexico. So everybody's hunkering down right now for nasty, potentially deadly cold weather. I've got it here somewhere in my stack of all these sheets. i got a list of, uh, like, locally, like, dozen-plus places that are setting up warming centers. They're doing the same thing. they got thousands of Haitian res- uh, refugees or what migrants south of us from Haiti in Reynosa, Mexico. That's a place south of McAllen, where I'm 
I'm broadcasting the Dana Show from. In El Paso, Ciudad Juarez, they got a whole bunch of folks, about 20,000 folks ready to cross the border. Everybody's hunkering down, trying to find a warm place to stay, because for the next three, four days, there's going to be nasty, nasty cold. Ukraine is not the number one issue. Russia invading Ukraine. Now, how many billions of dollars have we given Volodymyr Zelensky so far? He's going to be talking to lawmakers up in D.C. I'm glad that Kevin McCarthy is about to, hopefully he's the one taking charge. Or somebody on the Republican side and Kevin McCarthy working with him. They need to stop all the blank checks given to Ukraine. We just came off of this FTX exchange, this cryptocurrency thing, where this Mr. Bankman Freed, Sammy, is going to be extradited to our country. And the former chief, who was, he was pretty much doing everything and claiming ignorance. He didn't know everything collapsed. It, it looks, it, bit by bit, it's, it's developing into a Ponzi scheme. But we find out money given to Ukraine comes back and it's invested in the FTX exchange. And, and then old Sammy, what does he do? Starts writing uh, political contributions to a bunch of Democrats as well. That needs to be fleshed out early next year as Republicans fire up their committees and start investigating what happened with FTX, what happened with all the funding to Ukraine. Can we please call for an audit of the billions of dollars that have been sent overseas? Can we find out exactly where all this money went? Can you imagine our nation? You know, and it may sound like I might be slipping into that crowd that says, well, we need to use all this money, you know, the populist point of view. But I'm just mentioning this to you for argument's sake, to put everything into perspective, because this is the way I try to organize things in my head. Of the billions of dollars that we provided to Ukraine already, if we had applied that for, I don't know, a wall, border security, drone technology, properly funding consulates and properly funding embassies in Central America, South America, for folks to ask for asylum there and immediately be denied there if we fix that. Can you imagine homeless veterans, the war on poverty, the, the need that, let me focus on veterans, homeless veterans and the psychological, psychiatric help that some of these veterans suffering PTSD, if we had prioritized all the billions of dollars for our people, for our veterans, the ones that our nation is in, we are indebted to these folks who volunteer their lives and have sacrificed the remainder of their lives because they're broken. Man, we probably would have built several multi-story, high-rise, fancy-schmancy hotels for these homeless veterans to live in the remainder of their lives and maybe even allow them to clean their own hotels and have jobs in their own hotels. Can you imagine something? But, oh, no, according to Mitch McConnell, Ukraine, Vict Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine, victorious over Vladimir Putin. That's the number one. How dare you, Mitch McConnell? That is so embarrassing. that It's infuriating. I'm trying not to get upset. But no wonder that we are all screwed up right now. There is no spine and I dare say no brain cells between the ears of current Republican leadership in the Senate. And I hope and pray for some common sense on the House. And at the very least, Kev McCarthy, if you take over the House, I hope I hear the words audit from you. A full, detailed, fine-toothed comb looking for all the lice. Audit all the money sent to you, including 
the money sent to Ukraine invested in FTX exchange that poof went up in smoke and part of it went to the campaign donation. I want to know who got campaign donations from FTX, the failed FTX currency exchange. I'm looking, I'm getting the popcorn ready. I'm looking forward to those committee hearings early next year. Got 17 minutes left in the hour. Okay, let me shift gears now. As I'm looking at Christmas, and I think I mentioned this yesterday on the program. I'm bringing aboard a conversation I had with a parenting expert on the issue of Santa. There was a report that said that Gen Z, that would be folks uh, born between 1997 and 2012, you know, young parents, might be early 20s, they're saying no to Santa. They don't want their kids exposed to Santa because they're going to be traumatized when they find out the other story of Santa. How did we, you know, Gen Xers, boomers, how did we survive as a nation, right? Here's my conversation with Kim Minch. This report says, uh, a report I'm reading says, uh, a sign, uh, it says, a sign of how screwed, screwed up things are in society today. That Generation Z, Gen Z parents, and man, that would be some young parents in their early 20s, that Gen Z parents are refusing to allow their kids to believe in Santa Claus. Why? Because when they find out that's, you know, the whole thing about Santa, they'd be traumatized. I'll, I'll be very gentle. I'll, I know we got some kids listening right now, so I'll be very gentle. They, they find out something else about Santa, they'll be traumatized. And that's why Gen Z says, no, we're not going to go the, the Santa Claus route. Okay. So let me bring in Kim Minch, certified parenting coach. What do you make of that report, Kim? Let, let me get your quick thoughts on that first, on Gen Z and saying no to Santa. Well, let's start with a disclaimer. This is not for little ears, but I will go ahead and say that um, I, as a mom of five whose oldest was fairly traumatized about the Santa thing, um, <laughs> I can understand why uh, the younger generations are maybe rethinking how they bring Santa into this the picture of Christmas. Let me press However, the pause button. Let me press the pause yes. button, Kim. You're a mom of five, and you said um, maybe one or two of your kids, when you know you had a conversation about this subject, right, that there was some trauma there. Yeah. What age? What age? Age 10, my oldest son uh, asked the big question, and I decided it was time not to, you know, continue on with this, this you know, what I had told him previously about the big guy. So what happened? And what happened? Then, Start well, bawling, okay, crying, then or what? He proceeded, yeah. he proceeded to ask me about other holidays and other things, right? And then <laughs> I didn't anticipate this. The next question he asked me was, is God real? Ooh, that's that's right. Yeah. And, and it, it didn't trauma. It, it, it was traumatizing to him, but it traumatized me as a parent, quite frankly, because oh, you better be I just felt that. like, oh, my gosh, what have I? Yeah. You know, yeah. what did I do here? Um, so that so I can understand because I, 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 you know, I work with with parents and, and all the time and building trust with kids is a two way street. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that every kid is going to be traumatized or, you know, have a bad relationship with their parents around this one thing. I am saying that we are building a relationship with our kids. Okay. And I can understand why the younger generations are thinking through and choosing differently when it comes to this, based on the fact that parents and kids are trying to build a trusted relationship. All right. I, I hear you. Kim Minch is a, a parenting coach. We're talking about the big, fat, 
Jolly Man, Santa Claus, and, you know, the fantasy for so many kids, and Gen Z making news because they don't want to go the Santa Claus route. And the motivation behind that, it, it could be that, or as a dear friend told me, hey, I heard that some of these younger people say, this myth perpetuates the capitalist patriarchy. You know, that, that comes from a, a different uh, point of view. But if... Mm-hmm. If you know, I didn't do the Santa Claus thing with my kids. I did do the God thing and still trying to do the God thing as much as possible. I, I think there's a, a clear delineation between both. Uh, if you guys listening right now are in that camp, because one is creator of all for everything seen and not seen. The other one, it's just it's like anything else, like like a you know party, something festive, just a a youthful fantasy. I, I think the explanation is easy, but the, that's just me. Yeah. <clears throat> well, like I said, I didn't anticipate getting that question from my oldest. That did not necessarily stop me with the other four kids. It did make me think, though. It really did make me think about what, you know, what it was, what we were trying to accomplish with the tradition the way it was. So, you know, it's good for, I, I, I think in general, it's good for people to think every parent's got to make a decision about this All and right. move ahead with their intuition on it. So it, it was that 10-year-old, and I, you know, when when kids start asking you questions, one thing I've discovered is a, is a dad. These boys start asking questions. Many times they already know the answer to it. So, But you still had little ones after that 10-year-old, the oldest. That it, was he shaking a stick at the other other ones and trying to ruin their Christmas as a result? No, actually, I mean, I think with a lot of families, when they have older and, you know, then kids that are still young, they we, in, we invited him into the, you know, fantasy, if you will. And um, he was happy to do that. And we did that with our other kids, too, as they got older. And like I said, I... I I understand why parents are really thinking about this. I think the word traumatized is inflammatory, um, but I did I have that experience with my this oldest that much. definitely weighed on me. So what else did your 10-year-old ask about? Hey, hey Ma, how about the Easter Bunny? How about uh, yes, uh, Mike Myers, uh, the horror flicks, yes. Michael Myers? I'm a, <laughs> what else did he ask about? Um, the Easter Bunny, Easter the Bunny. Tooth Fairy, and oh, then tooth fairy, and he go. was crying during the, you know, I was weird. I was getting him ready for bed, just kind of rubbing his back. He was uh-huh. crying, and you know, it, it was a couple minutes, and he'd sniff and cry, and then all of a sudden, he asked me the question about God, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I did, I just didn't. I knew the other questions probably would follow, but I did not see that one coming, and. Oh. Um, you know, of course, I, I I did my best as a mom does in that moment to explain uh, my what the answer to that was, and you know, like yeah. I see um, it. <clears throat> but I but it was it was hard. It wasn't something I was anticipating. Yeah, I, I see it as a as a positive, as a good opportunity to have. Because I mean, what else would force you or many of us tuning in right now force us to sit down and have? But I think should be a more regular conversation about life, uh, the afterlife, creation, the soul, the spirit. Uh, it kind of forced you, violently shoved you yes. into that conversation. <laughs> uh, and I think that conversation needs to take place. I think your baby boy, your 10-year-old, was crying because he knew he was gonna get, wasn't going to get 10 bucks for every tooth that uh, popped out of his mouth. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. Possibly. All right, final thoughts from you before I let you go, Kim. Uh, I think that we should embrace the season for all of its goodness and all of the different aspects and not worry so much about 
the word traumatized. Let's just enjoy the people in our lives and the festivities that Christmas brings us every year. Merry Christmas and success in 23, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Parenting coach Kim Minch. I'm Sergio Sanchez. This is The Dana Show. We're broadcasting today from her Southern Command in South Texas. Red meat, black coffee, truth-telling. The Dana Show. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and for my friend Dana Lash, we're broadcasting the program from her Southern Command in Deep South Texas. Dana comes to you, broadcast to the nation, all the wonderful affiliates and online and worldwide. From North Texas, I'm still on Blessed Soil in South Texas, studio of KURV Radio, the news talker down here. And if you'd like to say hello, it's Sergio at KURV.com on the Twitter thing. It's at Sergio Talk. I wanted to provide a bit more information on a consumer report that came out a few days back. Because in you know Christmas, Valentine's, or any other you know occasion, a perfect gift always is chocolate, right? I know the, the the standard that you and I go for would be the milk chocolate, but it's the the healthier version. It's the dark chocolate. And may I say, if ever you find yourself, you know, you you brave going to Mexico, the the, the touristy beach places like Cancun and all those places down there, when you go to the gift shops, get some real deal dark Mexican chocolate absolutely divine the best i've ever tasted i have not found anything uh, even close to being similar in, in this country of course the the place where chocolate was pretty much born you got the cacao you know being sent over overseas well yeah get it from mexico go to those gift shops and get it either way dark chocolate there was a report from consumer reports and and i need to emphasize and overemphasize what consumer reports used as a standard for gauging the quality Engaging the the elements cadmium and lead, they claimed that some of the dark chocolate from Hershey, Godiva, Trader Joe's, had a bit too much cadmium and lead in it. The only thing is that Consumer Reports use California standards that are hyper uber sensitive and are not considered food safety standards. Just in case you come across that Consumer Report on dark chocolate, so it's safe. Gift it, eat it as much as you want. From South Texas, this is The Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez. This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. I've heard it from students who go through master's programs in education, for instance, as well, that what you're learning is more about like how to indoctrinate as opposed to like how to create a, a well-rounded student in terms of their, their actual education. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So what I would say about any social media site is this. I would I fully expect and would require that leaders in that sector cooperate and work with us who are concerned about national security, concerned about upholding and protecting our democracy to do everything in their power to ensure that there is not a manipulation um, that is allowed um, or overlooked that is is done with the intention of upending <laughs> their gig that's not their gig, the not their gig. <laughs> my goodness miss k <laughs> that is uh, the vo- yeah of course the work in progress says somebody says that 
upcoming Biden publication mentions Kamala Harris, a work in progress. Yeah, she's still thinking that one through. That's not their gig. The press is not meant to be the agent of the government, although the free press, and I argue always that it should always be free, as stupid as it is, and the lens that they see life and information through is many times not beneficial to our freedom and their freedom, the press's freedom, because they advocate for a paternal daddy state, giving it too much power. It's going to pull the rug from out from under you. Hey, welcome to Hour 2 of the Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez in for Dana Lash, and we're broadcasting the program today from her Southern Command. I, I said before this whole Twitter thing and Elon, Elon Musk going in there and ripping all the plumbing out and figuring out all, about all these emails, this unholy relationship between that's becoming more evident day by day. These Twitter files that are coming out, senior reporters, respect reporters going in there being contracted by Elon Musk. Go read the emails. Go figure out the relationship, the una- inappropriate relationship between FBI and Twitter before the election. The suppression, the obvious suppression of information before the election in 2020 that I do believe, and there's polling data showing this, may have led to different results in 2020. Had the American public been informed, like our founding father said, you got to be informed, an informed electorate. That's what we need in this country. But either way, now it's post Morning, post twenty twenty, post morning. We're moving beyond and learning, and I hope we do learn. And we got more Twitter files coming up in early twenty twenty three, and maybe some congressional hearings to provide specifics, line by line, communicate by communicate information to the American people. This is how you got duped. This is how the FBI, the G men inside Twitter, being compensated for some of the work, the communiques, all the emails, the alerts given, is Russian misinformation, all the lies before the election. The FBI in there. That FBI's job is to go after criminals. It's, it's, it's to go after crime. We got more than enough crime in this country. But no, they, some of them were in bed with Twitter before the election. Kamala Harris and you know, some big tech leaders going to help us secure our democracy and look for that's not that's not their gig. Their gig, the free press, our gig, given the proper amount of investigators and researchers and investigative reporters is to hold these politicians accountable, don't you think? Well, that's the way it's supposed to be set up. It's a free press, but it's not. Otherwise, it's a mouthpiece for the government. In a more perfect world, in my heart, in my mind, given the proper resources in this, yes, commercially funded press that requires sponsorship and supporters. That's the free market of media that evolves in tentacle in so many different directions. We got the corporate media. We've got local media, state media. We got the online media now. They're supposed to hold the politicians responsible so that way, I don't know, maybe we figure out why individuals that go up to Washington, D.C., you know, the Congress people, and receive 170-some thousand annual salary after several years, how the hell did they become multi-millionaires? Come back to me. Let's see if I can find this. Here it is. This is from a few days back. This little report that came out from D.C., some social media influencers, they were facing securities fraud charges because these influencers, and, and if, 
look, I know you guys work for a living. You don't do the social media stuff. I, I barely do enough to get by as a communicator. But in social media, there are these people that post stupid videos, silly videos, or little dramas or whatever, and they have followers of millions and millions of people. The White House will use these quote, influencers from social media, from the various products that are out there, Facebook, Twitter, you know, the Chinese Communist Party-owned TikTok. These influencers have followings of millions of people because of the product, the entertainment that they post, these stupid little videos that people entertain with. That's how people entertain themselves these days. So these influencers that have millions of followers, the White House will use to try to communicate something. Well, these influencers, some of these, eight of them, in fact, have have been investigated by the Securities and Exchange Commission because the allegation is that these eight, they told their millions of followers, hey, we're going to buy this stock. This other stock looks really, really good. Hey, I have a, a good information. Somebody gave me some good information on this. Stock. So they, they promoted the purchase of certain stock on their sites, that's the allegation, and then they dumped it. So they promoted it. Okay, the followers, dupes, start buying it. It goes the price, more demand, more purchase. It goes the price, goes up, and then they dump it. So that's the allegation. That's the investigation from Securities and Exchange Commission. And I'm glad that the SEC is looking into this. I want the SEC to look at Pending legislation up in Washington. I know if nobody's going to read the 4,100-page omnibus of the omnibus spending bill, the ominous omnibus spending bill. If no one's going to read it, I would like, at the very least, for the Security and Exchange Commission to put an army to sit down and read line per line which company gets what contracts might be going over here, which industry might be benefiting from the. Hundreds of millions, multiple, almost multiple trillions of dollars in a new spending. Who gets the money? Who benefits? Follow the money. Which industries in this big old ball of money wax, who's going to get the money? Which industries? Medical, manufacturing, pharma, who's getting the money? Okay. And once the army of SEC readers... And they're able to extract it, just like they follow, for example, we know now that they're following and investigating and tracking the activities of social media influencers trying to raise the price of stock, then dumping. How about doing the same? How about we put an army to read the 4,100 pages that will not be read by the lawmakers, but get the SEC to read it to see who benefits and then go back and investigate, chronicle the lawmakers who receive campaign donations from XYZ industries benefiting from the $1.7 trillion boondoggle. Hmm? I think that's a bigger priority. I'm glad they're going after these individuals that are manipulating the market, but we know, you know, you've been following media, you've been following news reports, you've been following these politicians, these career politicians, and again, it's the fault of the voters who don't kick them out, but either way, they must be held to account, don't you agree? That's, that's the same thing for media. It's the media that's supposed to investigate these things. Follow the money. Look at how something passed up in D.C. that regulated a specific industry. And on the other side of the bubble that got inflated, who benefited from the windfall? Because one industry got suppressed and another one benefited from it. And let's see whose husband, whose brother, family member, friends, track that, investigate that, and prosecute it as well. That's the job of the media. They're not supposed to be in bed together, just like they were, like it seems, more and more it seems like the FBI was. 
with Twitter before the election. What? To suppress information, the, you know, Hunter Biden laptop from hell. That, that information was spread everywhere. You got the New York Post ready to wham! Provide this information right before the election to create what? An informed electorate. And several polls after the election showing, had they known, they would have voted different. They would not have voted for Joe Biden. This is criminal behavior. Beyond incestuous, it is criminal behavior. That's what I tell you. I'm looking forward to those committee hearings. Kamala Harris thinking that social media... Just like, I mean, I could make an argument, the corporate media, for the longest time, they've been carrying the water for the Democrats, the leftist agenda, the paternal state-minded policymakers, for the longest time, because they love those programs. They love those big government programs. Eighty-some-odd percent of the corporate media, the big newspapers, the big networks, 80-plus percent vote for Democrats. They're all in bed, and they don't see stories related to holding them accountable doing audits of their business dealing, making sure that you know they don't pass legislation and are able to buy or dump some stock before that. None of that. That's not newsworthy to them. No, they, they just want their big government programs. That, that's why they don't see it as news. They, they, absolutely, they should be separate and should be impartial, but they, they're not, and they never have been, ever. Uh, Folks in corporate media and the press and individuals that go and study journalism at university. Right now, there's university professors, probably some of y'all listening right now, doing the sign of the cross. Oh, you know, oh, holier than that. Oh, no, we're, we're not. Bi- Absolutely, you're biased. Every reporter is biased. Every news director is biased. You're human beings. We're all human beings. You see, you define what is news through the lens through which you see life. That is a culmination of your life, personal life's experience, your upbringing, your indoctrination, AKA college education, the professors who told you this is right, this is wrong, the pastor who told you this is right, this is wrong. You will define what is newsworthy to write about or broadcast about based on your personal life lens. You are wired to be biased, always. And unfortunately, in America's free press, and that would be for the rest of the world, we got way too many big government apologists, leftist social revolutionaries that are in the corporate media, and Kamala Harris wanting the same. Okay, enough on that. Off the soapbox, Serge. I'm Sergio Sanchez, in for my friend Dana Lash. We're broadcasting from South Texas. Stick around. I got some conversations I want to share with you, including some trends on car payments across the country, economic trends, car payments, loan defaults, foreclosure activity, and some of this, of course, leading to maybe some more bankruptcies in 2023. Credit card debt as well. That's one of the topics I want to touch on. I had a conversation with a debt expert, Almond Reed, and I'll share that conversation with you coming up in just a little bit. Some of the, the truths related to credit cards that you should know about. Maybe it's a little too late. <laughs> maybe I'm giving you this information a little too late, but maybe some of y'all are chomping at the bit, want to go out there and go spin, 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 take that plastic out, swipe, swipe, swipe again. I'll try to save you from yourself here. And 
just a little bit. Or maybe you can just go back and return all the gifts that you purchased on plastic. We'll talk about credit cards in just a little bit. In a conversation you will not want to miss. You will not want to miss Almond Reed because of the debt thing. But also Scott Mann, Green Beret. I spoke with him earlier this morning. He's the author of Operation Pineapple Express. Some of y'all who are into movies going, what? He's going to be talking about marijuana? But pot? No, he's... Operation Pineapple Express. The volunteer effort to extract America's friends caught behind enemy lines, Taliban lines, in Afghanistan. Because as the Biden administration abandoned our friends, folks like Scott Mann and many other friends, about 150 in his organization at the very zenith, the very top of the effort, they were able to extract about 1,000 translators and um, military friends and families who helped them, helped our forces in Afghanistan. There's one in particular, one Afghan soldier who was denied a visa by the Biden administration, by this government, and did what everybody else does who is run into this country seeking asylum. Not like the millions who have bogus asylum, pending asylum claims, millions of them under Biden because he's opened up the border for that. This Afghan soldier has a genuine claim because his life is in danger. If he does not escape from the Taliban, does not make it into this country as an asylum seeker, he will be returned. And there's a possibility he might be returned by this administration to Afghanistan to encounter certain death at the hands of the Taliban. Do not miss that conversation coming up later in the show because maybe you can, I don't know, call your congressperson or sign a petition for this. Already 20 minutes after the hour. I'm Sergio Sanchez. You're listening to The Dana Show. We're broadcasting today's program from Southern Command in McAllen, Texas. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Well, the 21st of the month, today, you might be listening to The Dana Show on delay later, but it's the 21st, 21st of December. Today is the solstice day. Shortest day of the year, right? The official start of winter. Here in Texas, we're still enjoying fall, but we're about to get slammed by winter, nasty winter storm. As expected, all the winter fun starting up, right? We started the day with hundreds of flights canceled and hundreds more delayed. Flightaware.com, the website, you want to see how bad it is over the next 24 to 48 hours as far as cancellations. Flightaware.com. The U.S. Postal Service buying 66,000 electric vehicles and the infrastructure needed to power those Postal Service vehicles. And filmmaker James Gunn, new director over at DC Film, saying Gal Gadot or Gadot, you know, Wonder Woman, she's got her gig. She's not going anywhere. They fired Superman. They did not fire Wonder Woman. This is The Dana Show from South Texas. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. Making sure the Defense Department can deal with the major threats coming from Russia and China, providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the That's challenges screwed. confronting uh, the country at the moment. That's why we're so screwed up. That's why we're screwed. I'm biting my tongue. Almost to the point of making it bleed. I'm trying not to yell at the top of my voice. Mitch McConnell. With, uh, Steve, obviously, that's going to be the stupid quote of the day if we get to that at the end of the program. Mitch McConnell, the turtle, just being with that glistening jewel of ignorance and stupidity. 
the number one problem for American people, Republicans, as we see it right now. Well, you're in military industrial complex, all your amigos, all your friends, all your compadres getting a big fat paycheck for all the weapons being purchased, sent overseas, Patriot missiles, all that stuff. No, absolutely not. I'm looking, I'm sitting here on the board and I want to say thank you. Oh, by the way, this is uh, the Dana show. Yes, I'm not Dana. I'm Sergio Sanchez. I'm her friend and she's my friend and, and I, I love her and Chris and all the family over at Radio America. Thank you for the call, guys. Thank you for trusting little old me and KURV just uh, yep, 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 talk, talk, talk and provide information on the program. And this will be my last day I get to fill in uh, for a while. I got to go on vacation too. I got a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old just want to go somewhere. Dad, we want to go somewhere. Okay, fine. We'll go somewhere here pretty soon. Okay, so <sighs> I want to say thank you to my Border Patrol friends and family. I got had one in particular sent me a video and I opened it up during the break and I'm looking at brush and grass from Brownsville, Texas. Brownsville is where Elon Musk is at with this little SpaceX thing, right? At Boca Chica. Boca Chica, small mouth. Boca Chica, for some of you who don't know Espanol. And, and Boca, mouth. Chica, small. Small mouth. It's the mouth of the Rio Grande River when it goes into the Gulf of Mexico. And it's at that beach that Elon Musk set up his rocket facility and might be launching into space in 23. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to that. But Mexico is right across. You know, if you were ever to visit South Texas, you come to South Padre Island, and I would encourage you to come south. If you guys who are birders, come down here. You guys who, who love going to the beach, come. Uh, the South Padre Island Beach here is probably the cleanest one in, in Texas. It's, it's not Cancun with the white sand, but it's a nice, we've got hotels, and it's nice. And come come to the valley, come and shop and spend some time with us. If And go see SpaceX at Boca Chica in Brownsville. Go see it. I mean, you'll be standing, like, right next to those rockets looking straight up. What you can't do at Cape Kennedy and NASA, you'll be able to do at SpaceX. Just go take pictures, and it's awesome. You guys who are space nerds, you're going to love it. But you'll notice that when you drive that 15, 20 miles from Brownsville down to Boca Chica, right at the beach, literally right at the beach, the last beach before you hit Mexico, you got to cross the river that's going into the Gulf of Mexico, and there it is, is Mexico land. When you drive down there, you will go past a Border Patrol checkpoint. And when you come back from Boca Chica Beach to see Elon Musk's SpaceX facility, awesome, or spaceport, you're going to wait your turn with everybody else in traffic going through a Border Patrol checkpoint because Mexico is right there, right across the river. I got a Border Patrol friend who sent me a little bit of video from Brownsville, Texas. Today, at a time when in El Paso, Texas, West Texas, we got a report, the mayor says, about 20,000 illegal immigrants. And he, we say that because they crossed, they were booted back. Many of these were booted back to Ciudad Juarez in Mexico because they entered illegally and because of Title 42, the health policy that still lingers because it's the only instrument Border Patrol has to kick anybody out, out of town. And in the end, it's only a small percentage of people. Well, they're kind of waiting their turn. You know, twiddling their thumbs, waiting their time to hear that Title 42 is done and should be done, probably will be done here pretty soon. And there's a mass of humanity waiting to cross at Ciudad Juarez, El Paso. There's probably more in Laredo, probably more in Eagle Pass, probably more in Del Rio. But I know we have some here in McAllen. McAllen, Texas is where I am at. My studio is in McAllen, about an hour away from Browns, but it's one big market. Here in McAllen, in Reynosa, the town I grew up in as a boy, they've got thousands of Haitians waiting to cross the border, come over here. 
those single men, single women who know that once Title 42 is lifted, they won't be kicked out anymore. And in Brownsville, I had a Border Patrol friend who sent me a little bit of video beyond the brush, beyond the, the tall grass and just some of the weeds. And you, you hear the voices, the voices of an untold huge number of humanity, just all these voices, 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 voices on the other side of all the vegetation, on the other side of all that grass, the tall grass, on the other side of the river, just waiting, staging, waiting to cross to the U.S. side. So as soon as Title 42, and it, it's going to hit the headlines, and, and some of these people, you know, quote-unquote, super poor, it's amazing how many of them have smartphones. Ain't that, ain't that amazing? Many of them have smartphones. And they're going to get a push message. Boom! Title 42 is no more. And you'll see the wave of humanity head this way. Title 42 is on its last leg, final string, final breath. Only because yesterday, as you were listening to the news on the program, the high court got involved, the Supreme Court Justice, Justice Roberts, got involved and said, look, you, I, I need to hear from the administration what's going on, and maybe next week. Maybe it'll be done by next week. But it's coming to an end. And after that, we're expecting a big number of people crossing the border headed this way. Right now, Border Patrol, this is from Brandon Judd. If you heard the show earlier this week, Brandon Judd at Border Patrol Union said, on a daily basis from Brownsville, Texas, tip of Texas, all the way down to, you know, south of San Diego, California, to that wall that goes into the beach, goes into the Pacific, 8,000 illegal immigrants are crossing the border every single day. 8,000 right now. That number is expected to grow exponentially once Title 42 comes to an end. And... As I played, obviously, that, that stupid audio of the day from Mitch McConnell saying that number one problem for America right now, according to Republicans, the way he sees it, number one problem that Americans see is making sure that we provide Volodymyr Zelensky a check, some money, some weapons to fight the Russians. I got this other little tidbit of news. Drug Enforcement Administration, they came out yesterday and said that they had seized 10,000 pounds of fentanyl powder. Just a little smidgen of powder, just a little, little bit, will kill you. They got 10,000 pounds of this fentanyl poison crossing from Mexico over here. 50 million illegal fentanyl tablets just this year alone. Enough, says DEA, enough to kill every single American in our country. Oh, no, but, you know, Mitch McConnell says giving money to Volodymyr Zelensky, giving money to Ukraine, that's that's the number one problem. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm Sergio Sanchez. This is The Dana Show, and we're going to focus on your money now and those credit cards that you've been spending using just a little, little too much. Go ahead, Steve. People doing a lot of shopping right now, last-minute shopping, last few days for shopping and taking out that plastic to take care of business. He's an expert in personal debt, Reed Ullman. Now, are you an expert in personal debt because, man, you got a lot of debt, or are you helping people get out of debt, Reed? Which one is it? <laughs> um, I help a lot of people get out of debt. I'm a consumer bankruptcy attorney, and so for the past 20 years, I've been helping people in difficult financial situations reorganize and explore options. Financial publications saying that Credit card debt this year has increased by 15%. They say that's the fastest clip in about 20 years. No surprise, right? It's pretty much all due to inflation, right? Right. And also, you know, it is due to inflation because, you know, the 
the Federal Reserve, you know, raises interest rates to help combat inflation. And when they do that, it raises every all interest rates, including credit card interest rates. So um, the pain, you know, is is being shared across all different kinds of sectors. In the financial reports, we always hear, yeah, average 30-year fixed rate mortgage is six and a half, seven percent, still climbing. Da, 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 da. But you know, I think the better we the more useful report, and I'm not expecting it to happen anytime soon, would be for a regular cadence of the average credit card financing rate is 19%, 25%, wham, something like that. Which, by the way, what is it right now, the average credit card financing rate? It's 19% and some change, which is a very high rate um, from you know what it's been before. And that that's you know the average. So it varies. Some are higher, some are in the mid to high 20s. And some are lower, but uh, um, any way you approach it, that's a lot of interest charges. Um, so you're going to have to make more than a minimal payment to get out of that hole. The credit card rate that you assume or that's offered to you, is that based on your credit score? Um, yes, it often is based on your, your credit score. Yes. And you know what a lot of people don't understand is that rate is subject to change um, at the discretion of you know the credit card company. So sometimes I've had clients you know that are going along and they're they're happily you know they're able to make the minimal payments and then for whatever reason there's some triggering event uh maybe they miss a payment maybe they are over um their ratio of debt to income kind of goes a little bit off and then they will see their their minimal payments double um, out of nowhere because the interest has gone up or or just uh, their credit line has been cut so um it's definitely playing with fire with credit card companies Reed Allman helps people pay off their debt. He's a personal finance, personal debt expert, my guess. What does one missed credit card payment, what late late payment, what does that do to the amount that you pay in interest or fees or, you know, what's, what's the charge? How expensive could that be? Just one missed payment. So that one late payment is going to show as derogatory item on your credit for at least six months. And so that's going to drag down your score. It could also, you know, trigger an increase in the uh, minimal payment due or the interest rate on that card plus any other card because they're all kind of linked together and they all periodically are, are checking up on you on your credit and how you're using other cards. So it can start a whole domino effect, um, you know, just one late payment. I'm going to listen real carefully after I ask you the next question because I, I swear I'll be able to hear somewhere out there Dave Ramsey screaming, no! Okay, so here's a question, Reed. Do you need a credit card, at least one credit card, to be able to finance stuff in life? Unfortunately, I would say yes. You know, there's a lot of places now that are not accepting cash. Um, You don't really want to use your debit card, you know, for a lot of online purchases because there's no, they're not as good as far as, like, making disputes and protecting, um, you know, your, your bank account that's linked to. So, uh, yes, I think you do. And also, you know, I've had people that I've known who have great jobs, great payment histories, but they don't have any credit cards. They do everything on debit cards and their credit scores is low. And so in order to be able to have a good credit score, you kind of have to, you kind of have to play the game and just not get in over your head, you know, charge those, pay those off on time. And then that higher credit score can help you, you know, get lower interest rates, you know, when you're purchasing homes or cars. And also it can even help with stuff like car insurance. So I would say yes, 
I think you do need to have some credit cards. Reed Aldman is an expert in helping people pay off their debt, holiday season. I know you guys are running on a Christmas high right now. It just feels so good to go shop for people and give all those gifts, <laughs> but then you got the hangover um, come January and February having to pay all those things. Now, why is cutting a credit card, getting rid of a, a credit card, why, why is that uh, deleterious, big word, why is that why does that hurt you when it comes to your credit score? It should help you, don't you think? So you're talking about, like, for example, if you like, uh, you have to cancel a yeah, car. Yeah, close an account. Close like, pay card. it off, pay it off, and close it, and that hurts you. Why? Okay. Well, it can, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily always hurt you. Um, they go in to determine your credit score, your debt-to-income ratio, your capacity. So, for example, if you have, um, you know, a credit line, you know, and there's zero balance. You know, then you have a really good capacity score because you have access to this capital, but you're not using it. So when you close that account, then your capacity score can go down, which could result in a lower, you know, credit score. So, um, yeah, it's 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 tricky. It's it's rife with, um, you know, with with potential pitfalls. Yeah. What if you buy stuff? Right? You buy your groceries, your gasoline, all the stuff that you need in a week. Then you go to the bank and you pay. Every single dollar, you pay it all back, and maybe put an extra five, ten bucks in there. That's the smartest way to use it. Or do you get hurt because you do it that way as well? No, that is the smart way to use it is to you know make those make those charges and then turn around and pay them off. You know immediately. Most wealthy uh, you know people do that. You know they'll they'll spend thousands or hundreds of thousand dollars a month on credit cards and then just pay them off at the end of the month and then capitalize on the the points and perks and stuff that come along with that and then also have you know extra protection on those purchases in case they need to dispute a charge. Merry Christmas, Reed. Anything I should have asked you that you want folks to know about credit card usage during the holiday season? I would say, you know, you know, try to set a budget. If you have exceeded your budget and you're afraid of, you know, falling behind on a mortgage, car payment or you're considering liquidating your equity in your home or your retirement account, you know, call a professional uh, who can give you some options regarding your finances, including bankruptcy, so that you really know how that is going to affect you before you do those things or, you know, put your property in jeopardy. Much success in 23. I'll call you again, Reed. You take care. All right. Have a good one. Allman Reed, debt expert, helping people get out of debt. Appreciate you tuning in. This is The Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez in for my friend Dana Lash. Coming up, Florida Man and some rainbow fentanyl. Stick around. This is The Dana Show. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. I'm running short on time. I'm going to save that fentanyl... uh, Rainbow Fentanyl Florida Man story for next hour because it provides more pushback against a brain-dead comment from Mitch McConnell and the top problem in America. Meantime, uh, police in Florida looking for suspects crashed an SUV into a GameStop retailer. Yeah, they sell video games there. And made off with only $1,000 in merchandise. And it's a father of a 15-year-old who is a gamer, loves all this stuff. 1000 bucks that's like 15 to 20 video games. Or one good gaming laptop. $60,000 in damage to the store and no arrest. Hey, stick around. Coming up next hour, the story, as I told you, an 
Afghan faithful to U.S. forces in Afghanistan, trying to get into the country, seeking asylum, he might be returned to Afghanistan to certain death. That conversation coming up next hour. Don't miss it. I'm Sergio Sanchez. This is the Dana Show from her Southern Command in the Rio Grande Valley. It was the week before Christmas, and through the Senate and House, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The earmarks were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The senators were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of pork danced in their heads. No budget was found, just mischief and debt, while the taxpayers hung their poor heads and wept. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, senators sprang from their oxygen. What was the matter? Away to the window they flew like a flash, tore open the shutters when they heard the word cash. The moon on the breasts of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a 4,000-page omni with endless debt year after year. 4,100-page omnibus spending bill. Senator Rand Paul, a genius rendition of twice the night before Christmas, a few nights before Christmas. Oh, it's Christmas, definitely Christmas for somebody in that porculous spending bill. Somebody in different industry, yeah, they'll be getting a big fat check from your grandkids and great-grandkids. More debt spending. $1.7 trillion in debt spending. Hello, amigo. Welcome to Hour 3 of The Dana Show. You miss any of the program prior to this. Great conversations. You won't want to miss. So, listen to the podcast. That's what I do. I, I listen to the podcast later when I'm working around the house to just get all that information into your head. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and this is The Dana Show. We're broadcasting from The Dana Show Southern Command in the Rio Grande Valley, Texas, studios of KURV Talk Radio, the News Talk Authority in, in South Texas. And if you want to say hi, it's, my email is Sergio at KURV.com, Sergio at KURV.com, or Twitter at Sergio Talk. 4,100-page omnibus spending big pork bill up in Washington, D.C. We have no idea. We will, though, once we clear the holiday, once the high of the holiday and all the bubbly wears off and you get the nasty headache after the new year, you're looking at the credit card bill and it's, oh, man, I spent way too much money. I have to dig my way out of, you know, climb my way out of this hole that I was digging. And when we start getting the information and you know it's just going to be another one of those like shake your head moments where the people that produce the the pork report and other folks that are you know the uh, watching all the spending up in DC are going to give us line by line and all the wasteful spending by these fools up in Washington DC and as i said before sadly the the bigger fools all of you who voted all the incumbents back in senators Congress people. Not that the Republicans are innocent at all. Now you got you got a lot of special interest pork spending for a bunch of Republicans. Yeah, Mitch McConnell out there talking about you know, Ukraine and funding the you know, Ukraine and helping him fight against Vladimir Putin and fight this Russian war. Number one problem according to Republicans because you guys all agree what the industrial military machine is the one that should be getting the big fat checks from our grandkids to fight this war well here on the border and this is the reason I in case you tuned in last hour this is the reason I saved this fentanyl story out of Florida I thought it would be more relevant this hour 
As you know, you've been paying attention to the news. We have thousands of potential illegal immigrants. I say potential because they're still waiting to cross illegally. 20,000 in El Paso. Lord knows how many thousand we have here in Reynosa, Mexico, across from McAllen, Texas. And thousands more upriver and probably in the southwest, waiting for Title 42, that health era, that Trump era health policy that returned some, very few illegal immigrants, mostly single men and women, returned them to Mexico. Yeah, that's coming to an end soon. The announcement could be today, could be next week, but they know it's coming to an end. They know it. They're staging to cross. It's going to be a flood of humanity headed this way. That's on the human side. Cartels making money, hand over fist. The getaways, the illegal immigrants, the getaway, they get away because they're carrying duffels or backpacks, suitcases full of drugs, cocaine, and, and even in smaller portions, the, the super deadly fentanyl. A little bit of powder, just a smidgen of that, like the sol- the size of a few, you know, a few cubes of salt, like tiny, tiny, tiny. That will kill you, a grown man, grown woman. And to say that, what was the story that I had from DEA earlier? Ten thousand pounds of powder, of fentanyl, and millions upon millions of, of fentanyl-laced pills that were taken off the streets by DEA, enough to kill every single person in our country. And you got Mitch McConnell out there saying that the Ukrainian-Russian war is the number one problem that we need to be funding, that our grandkids need to be funding in this nation. It's, it's criminal. It's embarrassing, shameful. I mean, insert your own word in there. From Florida, one guy, 10,000 fentanyl pills. Authorities in Florida, narcotics task force, feds, local, all these people. 33-year-old Florida guy taken into custody at a Daytona Beach area Walmart parking lot. The pills that were seized, here's the reason I saved this. The pills that were seized on this guy, the multicolored fentanyl-laced pills known as rainbow fentanyl. Now... Some of y'all who've been paying attention to the, to the news, you know why I say this. Because this is important for parents to know. This rainbow fentanyl has been provided all these multiple wonderful little colors to make it more attractive to children. A method used by these drug cartels to make this very addictive painkiller, this deadly fentanyl, look like candy for our kids and young adults. That's what the DEA has been saying all this time. They did a big campaign about this a couple of months back. So as Mitch Mitch McConnell is saying that the war in Ukraine against the Russians is the number one problem for Americans, no, it's not, not, sir. I I, I could say some very insulting descriptions, but no, it isn't, sir. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said that last year, Just shy of 108,000 Americans died of drug overdoses. Shy of 108,000. 66% of that was the synthetic opiate crap, like fentanyl that comes in from Mexico, crosses the border from Mexico. All the ingredients in China produced in Mexico comes across over here, this fentanyl crap. So, just rough estimate, 70,000. 70,000 Americans addicted to this synthetic opiate, fentanyl, all this crap coming in from Mexico. 70,000 Americans dead because we are not laser-focusing as a nation to provide border security to the point where 
the federal resources backed up by the state resources are focusing on every single illegal immigrant coming across, catching every single one, making so there's no gotaways, getaways, and that all the drugs, at least from crossing the river, crossing the border, you get a super, uber high percentage of all that crap crossing the border to prevent it hitting the streets. You got addiction issues you need to deal with as well. I understand that. But right now it's open season. The border is wide open. I know Corinne, Jean-Pierre, and all these Democrats trying to gaslight you and shift the blame to Republicans. You guys are the only ones talking about open border. Yeah, because open border, those two words, describe the entire spectrum, the mindset of the Biden administration when it comes to providing absolutely no security or the the smallest, most minimal amount of security on the U.S.-Mexican border where drug runners come in, and we know, well, that's what they report, the feds do, over a million getaways. And the getaways means individuals who were not processed by border. The border Patrol is there. They're busy babysitting people crossing the border. In fact, these groups, as I've told you, they cross the border, family groups, and they bring children on their own, and they're being proud. A lot of paperwork, a lot of paperwork to do for these people. But they see in the brush or in the distance, they see a bunch of people running into ranch country, Getting away, they've been they've calculated the number well over a million. Those are the people who do not want to be registered as asylum seekers. Over a million in a fiscal year, those are the ones carrying the drugs. Those are the ones carrying the fentanyl. Don't you think that perhaps the getaways that are carrying the deadly fentanyl that led to in one year just the fentanyl alone led to seventy some odd thousand deaths of Americans, where the remainder. Almost 40% or 35% remainder, those drugs also more than likely came in from Mexico. The cartels in Mexico. The, you know, the real government, Mexico. The cartels, the criminal cartels, they're the ones who run the show in Mexico. Those drugs also leading to a total of 107,622 Americans died as a result of drug overdoses. Yeah, I think that's a much bigger problem than the war in Ukraine. That's just me. You think otherwise? Well, send me an email, Sergio at KURV.com. Stick around. I'm going to share with you a conversation here in just a little bit, as I was mentioning to you last time. It's a story of an Afghan soldier loyal to U.S. forces and helped U.S. forces, they say, tremendously. Well, we were in Afghanistan before the Taliban took over it, before this administration, the Biden administration, allowed everything to collapse. Embarrassingly, shamefully, in a deadly fashion, exited that country, withdrew us, and left friends by the thousands. Left them in Afghanistan. Well, because this individual did not receive a visa to come to our country, be protected by our nation, who he was loyal to, and helped our soldiers on the ground and saved our soldiers on the ground, he did what all these illegal immigrants are doing, trying to get into the country, crossing the border illegally, and seek asylum. And if ever there was a case for asylum, it is the case of that Afghan soldier. Because, after all, of the policies for asylum in our country, what are they for? It's for individuals who are political refugees, and he definitely is one. Religious refugees, he could make an argument because he doesn't bend a knee to what the Taliban say, their interpretation, their interpretation of the Quran. Yeah, he could say he's also... A refugee. He's also an asylum seeker based on religious grounds. But he's in custody, federal custody on the U.S.-Mexican border somewhere. He crossed the border illegally. And the illegal immigrants who were with him, my understanding is, they were released. He was kept in custody. 
he's from Afghanistan. They're doing a search, maybe, I don't know, going through his phone, finding that there's some Taliban numbers in there. And there's a possibility that he might be sent back. He needed those numbers. He needed that information. He was loyal to our country. He's hoping to seek asylum. He is likely to be sent back by our country who betrayed him, who left him and thousands of other friends and allies in Afghanistan. He might be returned to Afghanistan very soon. We don't know when. You know how things work administratively. But he's in custody. They want to deport him. we got some congressmen you know, stepping in, trying to save him. Because he goes back to Afghanistan. He's running from the Taliban. He goes back to Afghanistan. Taliban likely going to torture him, maybe execute him publicly. His story's coming up in a little bit. Don't miss that conversation I had with a friend who was monitoring this. Meantime, we've got nasty winter weather. You guys be careful out there. Take um, some extra food. You might take. Might need to take some of those of those neck pillows with you. You might be sleeping at airports. Oh, God forbid. I hope not. I hope you guys are safe. But this mixture of winter weather forced Governor Greg Abbott here in Texas to try to wake up the White House to provide some resources, something for West Texas, El Paso. We got thousands of people waiting to cross the border illegally, coming to El Paso as soon as Title 42 is lifted. All those people in El Paso, El Paso, Texas, West Texas, there are an untold number of Illegal immigrants sleeping on the streets. It's The problem is that bad in El Paso. And on the Mexican side, all these human organizations, human as, uh, humanitarian organizations are, are trying to provide some type of shelter, warmth, as we got temperatures in the 20s and the teens, maybe single digits, approaching Texas. So Governor Greg Abbott trying to wake up the White House. Coming up on 20 minutes after the hour. We've got some economic news I, I want to share with you, how things are going south in a few industries. Texas number one in job creation. And, of course, oh, oh, and news on Carlos Correa. He went with the Twins. He was the, with the Astros, of course. He was supposed to go with the Giants, but he's going somewhere else. What happened? I'll see if I can share that with you here before the end of the show. I'm Sergio Sanchez. You're listening to The Dana Show. We're broadcasting from our Southern Command in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Folks at Wells Fargo, the bank, Wells Fargo, ordered to pay $3.7 billion, $2 billion of that restitution, to customers who lost money, assets, homes, cars, as a result of some financial wrongdoing. $1.7 billion goes to government authorities. What they will do with that money, I don't know. Record-setting jackpot winner bringing holiday cheer Atlantic City. 74-year-old woman scored a royal flush on a $5 bet at a progressive poker table. $1.6 million payout. Good for her. She shared a $77,000 tip that was divided among 250 dealers. That's 300 bucks. This is from the Jesus, please hurry up, please come back as soon as possible. Uh, I want to be as delicate as, as I can with this one, kind of like I was with the Santa Claus thing earlier. Some guy, a really old guy, with a World War One explosive lodged in his, I use a clinical term, rectum, went to the hospital for help, got stuck, uh, caused a bomb scare. Everybody evacuated. They helped him, helped him out. Okay. You're listening to The Dana Show from South Texas. Stick around. You're not going to want to miss the next conversation on an Afghan soldier faithful to us. Will we be faithful to him? That's coming up next. 
your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. But really what we're seeing here is a city that is overwhelmed and in chaos. These families behind me here, these are some of the lucky ones. We're inside a shelter, but a lot of shelters are overwhelmed. I just came from the streets this morning. There are hundreds of people sleeping in the airports, at bus stations, on the streets. And it's actually really cold here. It was 33 degrees when we woke up this morning. Migrants were huddling together under blankets for warmth because even though Title 42 hasn't lifted yet, so many people have been able to come across. And they're expecting it to, yeah. That, you know, for my Patriot family listening to the Dana show right now, that might be the only news cut from MSNBC that you hear for a while. But they're doing some real reporting right now in El Paso. How how, how could you not do any of these reports? The only thing missing from this reporter, I don't know who it is from MSNBC, but when she was saying the folks in El Paso, she's referring to El Paso, Texas. Thousands of people, some of them sleeping on the streets. All these uh, humanitarian organizations, uh, they know Title 42 is going to be lifted. They're chomping at the bit. 20,000, possibly 20,000 chomping at the bit to cross the border. And that's just El Paso. I've got my own group of thousands here south of McAllen. Haitians, mostly, they say. The only thing missing from an MSNBC reporter was uh, folks on the ground being overwhelmed and in chaos. I would have put the words, compliments of Joe Biden, the Biden border mess. Yeah, he created this mess. And this magnet. Merry Christmas, amigo. I'm Sergio Sanchez. You're listening to the Dana Show from her, as I refer to it, her Southern Command in deep South Texas, still in blessed soil. We're in South Texas. She's in North Texas. Well, I don't know if she's in North Texas, but that's where she broadcasts to you from. Okay, some economic numbers I promised you earlier, probably an indication of things to come near future, early 2023. They keep saying there's going to be a recession, um, much stronger signs of a recession. Most recent retail numbers down, and it was down significantly, like six-tenths of a point. The way the ability, capacity for some folks to pay back their loans, especially low-income folks, those numbers starting to come in, and they're not looking very good. Car payments are starting to fall behind. Car payments, loan payments for low-income consumers, loan defaults now exceeding, they say exceeding, numbers... Uh, right before the pandemic, or where um, was it, nine, uh, 2019, Fitch. Uh, the folks at Fitch have that number. Uh, another industry report saying, industry analysts uh, saying that the trend for 2023, they're expecting unemployment to rise as companies will shed. You know, and speaking of shedding jobs, I saw just a number from Tesla moments back. They've been losing stock value. Tesla trimming its roles. They're going to be announcing some layoffs here pretty soon. Unemployment to increase early next year. Inflation, relatively speaking, still will be high. Anything north of 2% and change, anything north of 2%, that's not good. And that's not American. <laughs> Our inflation rate should be somewhere between 1% and 2 yearly. It'll probably be 5 6 7% early next year. Foreclosure activity, according to a top real estate data firm, foreclosure activity up 57% compared to this time last year foreclosure starts when they're starting to get all the you know paperwork together up a whopping 98 percent say folks in the industry is some of the numbers to watch for and before i pitch this conversation i promised you a moment back this sports note caught my eye carlos correa is one of the uh, 
you know, gold glove top baseball players. Of course, to, to me, he's always an Astro. He's part of that championship team back in 2017. And he went to the Twins or went to the Twinkies to make some extra money just for one year. He made news a few years back that he was, I'm sorry, a few weeks back, he made some news that he had landed, was going to land with the San Francisco Giants. 13-year contract, $350 million. Some of the news reports I saw said that maybe something went wrong. Um, they couldn't work out the medical results of his physical. And either way, he got a phone call from the New York Mets. So Carlos Correa, unless something else pops up, Carlos Correa... 12-year, $315 million deal to be a New York Met. And the New York Mets are slowly evolving into the Astros. They got Justin Verlander, now they got Carlos Correa. So, good luck with that. I'm looking forward to seeing the first playoff game between the Giants and the Mets next year. Okay, as I promised you, I had a conversation with Green Beret vet author Scott Mann. He's author of Operation Pineapple Express. He and friends have been working mightily for months now trying to extract Friends of America trapped behind enemy lines and Taliban-controlled Afghanistan as this administration, the Biden administration, abandoned all these folks after the collapse of Afghanistan. And the story of one Afghan soldier faithful to America while we were there, he's hoping we can be here for him and let him into this country. Go ahead, Steve. Abul Wazi Safi, he and his brother helped our military. They were part of the Afghan military. One brother in the U.S. up in Houston, Abul Wazi Safi, last we know, he's taken into custody here at the U.S.-Mexican border and not released like other illegal immigrants. So tell me his story. appreciate you diving into that. But really, uh, Abdul Wazi, what he really represents is what's happening with so many of our Afghan allies, particularly the ones who are at risk. You know, most of the people we worked with in Pineapple, and I, and I talk about this in the book, they are, they are, they are special operators and interpreters. They, they are the people who did 98% of the fighting the last five years in the war, and they really carried a very, very heavy load. They were the first people the Taliban went after. Abdul Wazi was one of them. He was on the run. He was fighting in the north all the way up until the country collapsed and was still fighting after the leaders of Afghanistan withdrew and our government, you know, didn't show up. He kept fighting and then eventually went to ground, went into hiding and has been on the run ever since. And what he did, Sergio, is he, he, he followed the, the course of asylum. He, he got out of the country uh, with some assistance from other, other volunteers. He got into South America, made his way through, imagine this, through South America, up through Central America, through the infamous Darien Gap, was beaten by Panamanian police and tortured and continued his route north and then into Mexico, seeking asylum as a targeted individual of a government who had worked shoulder to shoulder with our U.S. special operations and was immediately arrested, put in an orange jumpsuit. The other migrants who were arrested with him were freed in the U.S. to pending their trial. He still remains in custody where he's been told he will likely be deported. Back to Afghanistan, what? mind you. Without a doubt, he'll be tortured and killed. Wow. Okay, my guest, veteran, Green Beret, author Scott Mann with Operation Pineapple Express, trying to get volunteers, military volunteers, trying to get people out of Afghanistan, that the Biden administration, I don't want to say, I don't want to say our government, I'm ashamed to say that, the Biden administration abandoned our friends, many thousands of friends and allies in Afghanistan. Abdul Wazi Safi, he's in custody of 
folks at DHS, right? Border Patrol or one of those branches, right? Because he was trying right. to cross the border illegally and try to enter and, and seek asylum, and now he's in custody. All the other illegals released, he's in custody. He might be deported. I mean, this guy served with honor and distinction. I've even I've even spoken with personally the former commander of Afghan Special Operations, General Ali, and, and he says unequivocally that Wasi served with, with distinction. And several other special operators who know him say the same thing. So this guy is, is highly vetted. What may show up and shows up in most, if not all, of our Afghan special operator partners is their phones a lot of times will contain phone numbers to members of the Taliban. And now, now remember, we worked shoulder to shoulder in an insurgency against the Taliban in rural Afghanistan with these commandos. And what we would do as Green Berets, Navy SEALs, is we would have our partners call the Taliban in the local area. These are local fighters and say, hey, man, you need to come in. You need to come out of the cold. We just took your guy out. You know, we're on the target right now. You need to come in. By the same token, a lot of these guys were getting texts, like Nizam in my book, Operation Pineapple Express. He was getting texts from the Taliban as they were rolling into Kabul, like, we know where you are. We're coming for you. So, of course, these guys have the phone numbers of Taliban in their phones because we asked them to. They fought them nose to nose for years. And our intelligence community knows this. Like, this isn't a surprise. You know, and, and but barring that, I mean, these guys are some of the bravest, most loyal fighters, Sergio, I've, I've ever seen. And yet we are treating them like common criminals. And it is having such an impact on the moral injury of our veterans right now. It's just so heartbreaking to see our active duty and our veteran community, because at some point, you know, we start to become the bad guy when we behave this way. Yep. Is there any hope, anybody advocating on Safi's behalf to get his release? Yeah, there are several congressmen who are advocating on his behalf to include Congressman Mike Waltz, a Green Beret himself. And they're, you know, we're, we're just getting as loud as we can. The, the veteran influencers uh, who are out there who, who do have, we feel like we have a voice. We've got a petition going around right now, but we're asking people to just sign that petition. And, you know, really the only person who can affect this, I believe at this point, is the president. The president is the one person who I believe could intervene and do the right thing. And this is about doing the right thing. This really is not, you're right. I mean, there are a lot of political blunders here, but I will say there's a lot of work that our Republican brothers and sisters need to do for the Afghan Adjustment Act and some other things as well. But in this case, this is about one man who stood shoulder to shoulder with Green Berets and other special operators. He risked his life. He did the right thing by seeking asylum and our president could grant it to him. The question is, will he? author of Operation Pineapple Express, Green Beret, and, of course, an expert in all these volunteer efforts for many months now to try to extract friends of America from Afghanistan. Scott Mann is my guest. Do you have any idea, administratively, how long Abdul Wazi Safi has before, surprise, surprise, somebody comes for him, puts him on a plane, and sends him back to his to his death, to Afghanistan? Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing it's, it's less than a month. I've heard, I've heard weeks. I've heard days. I've heard the 10th thrown around January the 10th. Um, so th- there's not much time. There's not much time. And um, this is, you know, to me, and I, and I think people listening to this, if you have, if you served in the military, if you have relatives that served in the military, we are, we are encroaching on a moral stain. If we turn this man back over to, now if we turn him over to a third country where, you know, he can live in relative safety and peace. That's one thing. But, but if we deport this man back into the Taliban regime where he will be, 
tortured and killed probably publicly you know it is it is a level of moral injury on our veteran population at a time when they have already uh you know something like 73 percent of veterans say they feel betrayed by what happened in afghanistan and 67 percent feel humiliated you do something like this at this level of profile and show this level of disregard for a partner it's going to have untold repercussions, not just in the veteran community, but I believe in, in recruiting and retention and ultimately national security. Because at some point, like my friend Nick Palmasano says, when you behave this way as a nation, you're no longer the good guy. You start to become the bad guy. The effort to extract folks, friends, allies in Afghanistan, does it continue? What can you report? Yeah, it does continue. There are just some amazing volunteer groups out there. I belong to a larger group, Pineapple Does, called Moral Compass. Um, led by a guy named Travis Peterson, a former Afghan uh, Air Force special operator. And, and the, the level of effort that's still ongoing to provide safe houses, to provide medical care, food drops in this terrible winter that they're now going through a second winter. And remember, these Afghan commandos, special forces, interpreters, they can't work. They can't identify themselves because they'll be immediately rounded up, tortured, and killed. So they can't earn money. You know, and so you have these veteran volunteers who have been on the phone with them for over a year and a half now. Some of them have cashed in their pensions, their, re- their retirement funds, their savings accounts for their kids, for college. Um, they've re-triggered themselves, reliving old traumas again. Uh, and the level of survivor's guilt and guilt and moral injury that our veterans, who particularly the ones that, are, that can't hang, how do you hang up the phone with these guys? You know, how do you hang up the phone on a family who's been on the run for a year and a half and is slowly starving to death? Our veterans are not going to do that. They are going to stay their post until properly relieved. And right now, that is the only true humanitarian work in play. Yeah. Um, and it is just egregious. I do hope that the new Congress moves towards accountability quickly and shines a light on this Uncle Sam-sized problem that veterans have been trying to solve with their pensions for a year and a half now. Yeah, well, unlike politicians, politicos, uh, yeah, folks who are volunteering to help all these folks, they have a conscience. Yeah, they can't hang up that phone. They, they've got to find a way to help. How can folks support you and all these patriot volunteers still doing God's work? How can they support yeah, you? Yeah, this holiday season, if you really want, if you want to make a difference, one, I would ask people to read Operation Pineapple Express. It's a really important story. It talks about what really happened at the street level. It talks about the Afghans who risked it all and the veterans who served with them. I would, you know, it's a great, it's a great thing to share with someone. Um, but I would read that because it's not the story you heard on the news. The second thing is I would say if we're going to get you the link to the, to the uh, petition, if you could just digitally sign that petition uh, to help us get Abdul Wasi uh, out of jail, that would, that would mean a lot. And finally, uh, opereleaf.org, Operation Pineapple Express Relief.org is a relief fund that we started where almost 100% of the proceeds will go to Afghan partners like Abdul Wazi in duress, both in Afghanistan and here, uh, who are struggling and trying to make it on their own. And this is a way to help keep them alive until we can find a solution. OPErelief.org. A very happy, very Merry Christmas to you and the family, and a very prosperous 23. Scott, thank you. Thank you, brother, and, 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 and Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners as well. Thanks for what you do, man. Take care. Scott Mann author of Operation Pineapple Express. Look for him online. I'm Sergio Sanchez. You're listening to The Dana Show from Her Southern Command in South Texas. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, you had to close the show on Wham. Man, I hate this song. (laughs) Merry Christmas. From all the gang at the Dana Show, I'm Sergio Sanchez in for my friend Dana Lash. And wherever you are, Dana, you and 
And Chris, blessings to you. Thank you, my friend, for calling us up. It's always an honor to help out and do our part. Man, how I wish the spirit of Christmas, right? I, I, you probably think the same thing. That it, it could be like year-round, right? That'd be as close to heaven on earth as we could get, right? This whole peace on earth and goodwill to everybody, all men, right? We're definitely going to get a chance of some of y'all hitting the road, <laughs> going to the airports. Man, you talk about a test in patience. You hit the road. And, and I know how things are. I, I know everybody's cynical. Well, I know I am. You see somebody, you know, broke their car broke down the side of the road. Well, you don't, don't need to necessarily get out and get mugged. <laughs> you know, call it into deputies. Maybe park hundreds and hundreds of feet way ahead. Call it in see if authorities show up and help out people that seem to be broken down the side of the road. I, I want to impress on you if maybe things are real slow uh, here towards the end of the week at your office, uh, your law firm, um, manufacturer, whatever, whatever you do. Chances are everybody's in neutral right now waiting for Christmas, right? I invite you to check out your local Salvation Army office. And you guys as a team, it'd be a lot of fun. Go out there, take a boombox, take your Christmas clothing with you and some jingle bells. Go ring the bell at a Salvation Army red kettle because all that money, like 88 89%, the highest ratio of all charities, it all goes back to meet the need at the local kitchens and the shelters. So please consider, amigo ringing the bell for your local Salvation Army office between now and Christmas Eve. They'll shut down around noontime around Christmas Eve. It'll be something very fun and worthwhile. All right, Steve-O, the uh, stupid audio of the day. All right. Believe it or not, Mitch McConnell is out there writing checks that he can't cash, and one of them he thought was pretty important, so we'll see what he had to say. Making sure the Defense Department can deal with the major threats coming from Russia and China, providing assistance for... The Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States. <laughs> yeah. All I want for Christmas is a new Congress. I want a new Senate, new Congress. That's up to you voters. It's not the, up to Santa Claus or baby Jesus. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sergio Sanchez. You want to say hi? At Sergio Talk on Twitter. Merry Christmas, amigo.